Are you ready for the best combination of fatherhood and football talk? Well, let's go. It's that time to have a conversation about fatherhood and football and relation. Ready, set, hut, grab your kids and huddle up. We might get deep, but just run it up the gut. So put your jersey on and clap for the home team. It's the dance thing, yeah, you know what I mean. So tell a friend to tune in if you heard me. To the best show in town every Thursday. Fatherhood and football, it's a dance thing. Fatherhood and football, it's a dance thing. Fatherhood and football, it's a dance thing. Fatherhood of football. Welcome to a Dad's Thing podcast, Fatherhood and Football. I am James Simmons, your in-studio host dad of two amazing daughters. I'm a former middle school, high school, and college football coach, as well as a former wide receiver at D1AA Fordham University in the Bronx. Today we are joined by Danny Bowers. Danny and I have built a solid relationship over the last five to six years over a variety of topics. I have worked under Danny's leadership as well as partnered with him working with families in our faith community. Danny is a football guy and has spent the last several years coaching on the high school level. Today, Danny and his wife, Kim, are raising their two sons. Welcome, Danny. Hey, it's good to, ha- good to be here, man. You almost went into your podcaster's voice. Uh, <laughs> how does it feel to be on the other side of the mic as the uh, interviewee? <laughs> uh, it's it's always fun. I, in fact, a friend of mine uh, who lives up in Minnesota, he just recorded me like two weeks ago for his podcast too. And it's always like, oh, it's always fun when you get interviewed after you've been the interviewer, you pick up tips and tricks of other people. So it's good. Well, you've taught me a lot. Uh, I was blessed to be on your show, um, and I'm definitely going to give you an opportunity to plug that because it's good stuff. Um, and I just, you know, one of the things I like the audience to know is that, you know, we're talking football, uh, but Danny and I, uh, it's a lot deeper than that. Uh, he's been one of these guys who has really encouraged me in lots of different areas of my life, especially using my voice. Uh, so I want to thank you for that, but also thank you for being on the show. And, you know, I always give the uh, the guest a little opportunity to uh, tell how our paths cross. So if you would... Uh, share a little bit with the audience uh, how we came to cross paths. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So my family and I, we relocated to the Bay Area uh, 2017. And in doing so, you were and your wife and girls were attending the church that I was pastoring at. And uh, you were at one of our, we had kind of like different campuses and you're at one of the campuses and uh, we were there and we just actually started chatting. I had hosted and I had shared something about football and that was the first thing. It was like, oh, I played. And that started some casual conversations. We'd see each other. And then you actually did some part-time work when we were moving around some, some of our children's department, um, resourcing and help and staffing. And through that and through several conversations, we just kept talking football. We'd talk parenting. And through being in a similar faith community, we'd see each other. But one of the pieces that really got us spending more time together was talking about race and diversity within our community, but also on a bigger level from a faith perspective, but also from a a national level. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. We've had multiple conversations around parenting, your two beautiful girls. And we've also had uh, conversations around the joy and the frustration of athletics, specifically football. Um, So yeah, 
Yeah, specifically football. But no, I'm I'm glad you, you know, painted that nice and beautiful picture because, you know, with my audience, um, definitely trying to grow it, but lots of folks close to me um, and know the work that I do in the community and how important that is. Um, and again, you know, the conversations we've had over coffee, Danny makes a great cup of coffee, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, those are things that have really helped shape me uh, in my walk as a father, a man, my faith, so on and so forth. But thank you. But we are going to talk some football, and you good. come from what area of the country, and who is your team that you root for? Yeah, totally. So I uh, grew up, born and raised just outside of Denver, Colorado. I was there until 17. I went to school in Minneapolis, just outside of Minneapolis, and then we moved to California in 2002. So when you're born in Colorado, it's stamped on your birth certificate. You're a Broncos fan. Like, you don't have a choice about it. And what was the best part about it is the back-to-back Super Bowls, 97, 98. I got to be um, at the parade post-97 win. And then, obviously, we got shellacked by Seattle there in 2014. But then we finally went back and beat the Carolina Panthers, uh, the Peyton Manning era. I mean, we had Elway. We had some other quarterbacks in there, a lot of them. And then we had Manning. So, um but yeah, uh, and for college football, I, I've never really had a team. I've always followed coaches. Uh, and that's something that a lot of people have given me a hard time for is I really care about the coaching style of a coach. And that's what I'll root for. Um, but yeah, in terms of, uh, I mean, we're recording this the end of November. And the I honestly, I loved the Michigan-Ohio State game over the weekend. The amount of O-line, D-line work that was done in that game. And that's that's me. I love the O-line, D-line positional side of things but uh but yeah so uh, i love the broncos and uh i've actually been i i grew up in high school like my mom was so afraid of me getting hurt mm-hmm. i wasn't quote unquote allowed to play football early on until i got to high school i played my freshman year i got ready to go out for my sophomore year and my mom's a single mom and so for her her framework was always like we can't afford you to get hurt and i'd played baseball my whole life and so she actually forbid me from playing football so I turned in my gear my sophomore year and the head coach was like, what are you doing? He was like, I'm not allowed to play. And he called my mom and she was like, nope, he's not playing. So I didn't get a chance to play football the rest of high school. I just sunk myself into baseball. I had a couple scholarship opportunities for some division one schools, um, ended up not taking them. And I went to a division three school it, just outside of Minneapolis and my brother-in-law Uh, or who is now my brother-in-law happened to be there playing. And he said, dude, you're a good athlete. Why don't you come out? So uh, for three years, I got to play division three football and it was fun. I, and that's actually where I I loved, I learned to love the coaching side of it. Um, I I had a privilege of being able to watch film with some of our coaches that um, they had different pedigrees from division one to uh, Canadian football league to, uh, you know, some NFL stints, but, it was one of those things that I learned the joy of coaching there. And then when I left college, um, I jumped right into coaching for two reasons. One, I love the game. Two, I love the ability to mentor and give a role model for young men in a pivotal point because I didn't have that. And that's part of my story. Right, right, right. You know, and, and the early parts of your football journey, I did not know. So you played two years, didn't play junior, senior year, and then you went to college. Did you play all four years in college or no, I didn't actually. So uh, I played, I went there, played baseball, um, had a great freshman year of baseball. Um, I got an offer from the the St. Saint Paul Saints to come try out, which is like the, like the single A version of the Cincinnati Reds gotcha. at the time they were. Um, 
And, but baseball, baseball, the job of college athletics, I don't think people understand that it's a job, right? And at that time and where I was at as a person, I loved the game and I loved the idea of playing. But after, I mean, I was 19, I'd been playing baseball since I was seven. And I was physically, I was mentally burned out of the game, not physically. And so football gave me a new challenge. And so I I went out my sophomore, junior, and senior year. Um, uh, Sophomore year was just special teams, spotting. And then junior, senior was a little bit of tight end, a little bit of linebacker, a little bit of uh, just kind of a spot player. Um, And that was the thing. Like, I never – I was not an athlete for football. I mean, I was an athletic, but I wasn't a football athlete. But I love playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's interesting. And you know how you went back to give you something, I guess, to recharge your battery, right? Because you said you were oh, totally. out from the baseball part, and that's something yep. that we see a lot today. We see a lot of kids starting really, really young, specializing in sports and not having that diverse, you know, athletic background like maybe we did coming up. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I um. I wish I played more sports growing up and wasn't just baseball. I mean, cause I would do off season clinics fall and winter. We'd have season during spring. We'd have travel ball during the summer. Um, and don't get me wrong. It was fun, but it was a grind. Right. <clears throat> and it's one of the reasons as a dad, I really wanted my kids to play multiple sports. Um, I was also the dad that said, you're not going to play a contact or I even call football a collision sport until you're physically ready to like, I'm the dad who's against putting kids in football gear at five, six, seven, eight, nine, even 10. Like, I think you hold off until middle school. That's a whole different conversation. But, but um, I really encourage my kids to play multiple sports or multiple athletic opportunities, Um, martial arts, uh, dance, Mm -hmm. uh, lacrosse, basketball, soccer, uh, flag football. Like that's what my kids were in. And part of it was, they're kids. They're learning their body, like giving them ability just to learn how my body moves. Uh, I mean, you know, my boys, you know how tall they are. I'm six foot. Um, That was the other part of it. Like my whole family lineage is six, two to six, five. I'm the runt at six, right? Well, both (laughs) my boys are six, three, but my oldest was super lanky and he looked like an awkward giraffe running in elementary, right? But playing multiple sports, he learned his body. Like he learned how to control those long, lanky legs and that big, heavy torso he had. Um, And that's the thing. I think parents that give their kids opportunity to play other sports is crucial. Forcing your kid to play a sport because you think you have a professional goal in mind, I think that's a bad goal. I think that's a bad aim to have. Give them the opportunity. Let them play multiple sports. Give them the experience. But don't pretend that it's going to equate, you know, the college scholarship or the professional tr- track. Right, right. No, you, you, there's a common theme with a lot of the interviews about, you know, when's the right time to have your young person, you know, start start sports. But particularly, you know, the contact sports. And I had someone who also said, and I think you said it, it's just a, a bunch of collisions, you know, uh, football. Yeah. That's what the game is like. Um, I look at my career and I'm like, man, how did I last so long? <laughs> this oh, yeah. five foot guy and 130 pounds. Uh, how did I last so long? But thank you. Thank you for the insight and, and a little bit more into that of your thoughts on that. Um, wow. There's so many areas that I want to touch with you. And I know we only sure. have uh, so much time, but you started football. You said you, you know, raised by a single mom, didn't want you to yeah. play. What was that influence that got you to like football that, that, piqued your interest in the game? 
Yeah, it was definitely in college. Um, and it was, uh, it was, let's see, Coach John Talley was, or Kirk Talley, sorry, was our head coach. And he just had a passion for the game. But in that, he wanted us as athletes to understand the game. So he was a teacher as much as he was a coach. And then uh, my senior year, uh, we had a new head coach come in, Coach John Auer. And he had some he had some decent college experience. And one of the things that he really showed me specifically was the deep side of the strategy of the game. Um, and that's I'm I love strategy. I'm a strategist by nature, and I love the minutia details. And when he kind of almost it was almost like he peeled back this little layer for me and it sent me down just the right kind of rabbit hole and I just started digging into clinics and coaching and 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 I've always loved watching football but when when I started seeing it from the strategy side it was something I can't turn off like to this day just watching the Michigan Ohio State game um, and I shared this with you before I'm literally the first position I'm watching is the center guard relationship. And then I'm watching the D tackle to DN relationship, right? I'm watching defensive line alignment. I'm watching if that guard's going to pull. I'm watching if the DN's going to squeeze down the line. If he's left on block, like I don't even look for football until I get through <laughs> those progressions. And early on, it was those coaches. And no. then when I left college, we moved to California, we moved to Bakersfield, California. And if you're unfamiliar with Bakersfield, um, they call it the armpit of California because of the bad air. And it's no joke. I did not realize where in California I'm moving to, but it's a lot of farm country. It's a lot of um, agricultural and it's big farm kids. And I had the opportunity to coach at a high school and with Doug Barnett. Now, if you're a California uh, football fan, the LA Rams back in the eighties, when they were the LA Rams originally, right. Um, Doug Barnett backed up Jack Youngblood. So he played with Dickerson and Slater and some of those famous people. And he literally took me under his wing uh, and he said, and he showed me how to coach. He showed me how to watch film from his vantage point. He showed me how to teach skills independently, but then put me in the system. And I absolutely loved it. Yeah. And that for me was from 02 to 07 was one of the richest moments that I had. And it really set me on the trajectory of why I love coaching so much. And because it's one, you can still mentor and impact people, but part of coaching is, is competing. And coach Barnett also showed me off the field, how to be a healthy husband while pursuing your passion. He loved his wife. He loved his kids. And that for me is a young dad. Cause I became a dad at 22. My first was born at 22. My second was born. I was 24. So when all my other college buddies were out pursuing career and Mm -hmm. trajectory and fun and traveling, I'm changing diapers. right? Right, right. But Coach Barnett showed me how you can do both well, mm-hmm. but you also have to be willing to say no to the right things. Right. So important. You know, I still remember pretty much all of my coaches, and there's either a good part of it or a bad part of it. And there's a lot of folks that were on the good side of it. And the guys who really, I, I, I really watched them, you know, coming up in college, right. how they uh, loved their wives, how they loved their kids. And, and this is the demanding sport. You know, college right. football you never know when you're going to be in one city to the next city, depending on wins and losses. So definitely those lessons I've taken with me as you're talking about. But Game of Inches, high school, you talked about your sons. This is something I definitely wanted to get into. You know, as a father of young girls and me wanting to be involved in their athletic lives, I had the opportunity to coach them. You know, these last several years, you've had the pleasure, the honor 
to coach yeah. and work with your kids, you know, what was that experience like? And, and I definitely want to get to the end part of it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 2007, um, we're playing Fowler, which is just outside of Fresno for the CIF division five state title. We're down 21, nothing at half. We come back and win 35, 28. Uh, we win the CIF division five state title. I've got a big old state ring for it. Loved it. Um, and both my sons were there and they were little guys, right? My oldest kind of remembers it. Like he remembers coming down on the field. He remembers the celebration, you know, we had 5,000 people in the stands and, um, you know, he remembers dad getting dunked with Gatorade and stuff like that. But in that moment, I knew that I wanted to be around them. And so, uh, I mean, I'm the dad who like, I was never the dad who has to coach, but I wanted to coach because I love giving them a healthy experience. So I've done both. I've sat on the sidelines and I've coached them in various sports. Middle school, I was adamant that I was going to coach for one reason. I wanted them to have a healthy experience around coaching. And I, and I didn't want them to have some meathead coach that just wanted to like say to, you know, 11 to 13 year old, this is the most important game of your life. Those kind of sideline speeches and go, no, this is 11 to 13 year old. We're trying to help them understand the game, do it from a healthy standpoint, play competitively. But when my boys went to call, but went to high school, I went back to the stands. Um, I sat in the stands for my, my oldest freshman year. They're, they're one year apart in grade. So my boys, if they're, if it was freshman, the other one was in eighth grade. And, uh, I went to sit in the stands and at the end of his freshman year, he said, dad, would you be willing to come coach? I mentioned it to the head coach. And that for me was the win. Like I wasn't trying to force myself on the sidelines. My son mentioned it to the head coach. And so the head coach called me, um, and uh, Justin Andrews, he played at University of Oregon back in the early 2000s in the Chip Kelly days. And he called me, we went and had a conversation and, and he hired me on his staff. And uh, so I was able to coach there for three straight years. And it was the ability to be on the sidelines from August 5th to November 12th, every single year with my sons. And my youngest actually quit playing when we moved to the Bay Area. Uh, lacrosse was his thing. He was giving himself a lot of energy to that. And then he, like he does got bored with that, moved on to mountain biking and he kind of got good at that. And he said, Oh, I think I want to play football again with my older brother. So he went back out to play with his older brother one more time. And what I loved about it was I was, I was present with my kids, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't doing it from a sense of, I need them to start or I need them to play, but you know, our free time was going up to the local park and working on Hendricks. Um, you know, my oldest played defensive end and tight end. Uh, my youngest played wide receiver and then tra- actually transitioned to a weak side linebacker. Um, and so I was more or less in the offseason helping them get ready. But at the same time, you know, you've got a roster of 40, 50 athletes. You've got to give a lot of attention to others. But the personal side, the dad side is like, no one can take that time back from me. You know, the laughing moments, the comical moments, and, uh, you know, the last game that they both played in uh, was a super emotional game for all of us. You know, the last whistle, and there's tears, there's crying, there's hugs, because as a parent, it's weird. You're so long watching your kids play, you're participating, participating, and all of a sudden there's this moment where this could be it. And Cody, my oldest, was getting recruiting offers, was getting conversations, and then COVID hit for his senior year which shut down the fall program where we're at and it shut down the recruiting conversations. So we played a five game in the spring of his senior year. And 
I mean, there's some division three schools, but he had some division one schools, uh, FCS level that was talking to him. And now he's on the, okay, I got to walk on. And he got into the school of his choice. He's, he's going to try to walk on. And so I may be able to watch him again, but it's different. Yeah. And that last high school game for both of them, um, I couldn't, I mean, it was great. Loved it. And it was like this very healthy moment for all of us going, ah, oh, that was a fun ride. It really was. And, and, and I got a chance to see some pictures and things like that. And, and, and as a friend, right. Someone that, you know, you mean a lot to me, you know, I felt that, you know what I mean? And mm. I just had a big smile on my face seeing you guys embrace and, and just the words, you know, last high school game for my youngest, yep. you know, that was, yep. that was super cool. So I'm glad you were able to, sh- I was glad you shared that with me, man. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks man. Question as a father yeah. on the sideline, tough sport. Do you, how do you flip that off? You know what I mean? Cause I had folks scared and caring about me and not wanting to get hurt. How do you switch that hat as dad and coach when you're on the sidelines? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't think you switch it. Uh, you, uh, for me, you have to manage it. So I believe preparation is the best way to stay healthy, right? You prepare your body, you prepare your sleep, you prepare your, your diet, you prepare your muscles, you prepare your, your uh, cardiovascular. The more you prepare, the healthy you are. I mean, that's just proven around sports. You keep yourself healthy. The odds of you getting hurt are down. Football is unique, similar to rugby, similar to hockey, similar to lacrosse. Like it's a collision sport, right? I think football is one of the most collision driven sports. Um, And there is those moments of like, okay, you have the blow to the head, the blow to the neck concerns, right? You watch it in college, you watch in the pros, but at the same time, my son who safely was pulling out of a parking lot, I was with him and a guy blew a red light could have T-boned us in that moment right then, right? And so a part of it's put in context of it. Um, what is hard though, is Cody's soft or uh, uh, Cody's junior year uh, it was cut short by two games. Uh, he had a, kind of a, a dirty offensive lineman went after his knee and he sprained his MCL. And the dad moment kicks in where your cut, your kid's getting carting off the field, holding his knee. And the trainer says, this isn't good. Yeah. And the pit in your stomach hits. And it's third quarter and you got to go back to coaching. Um, that's the hard switch. Um, uh, Cole took a face mask to his, the, his tibia and it bone bruised bad. And, you know, it's, he couldn't walk on it. And you're thinking, ah, is this broke? Is this just done him in for his, if that was his junior year, uh, which was Cody's senior year. So it's one of those moments you have to kind of control it and manage it. Um, to be honest with you, I never let myself go there. Um, I was honestly more concerned about them driving at night <laughs> than I was them playing football. Um, you know, because there's also that they're they're playing, they know what they're getting into. Right. And when you play the sport, like there's a different mental and physical gear you personally kick in to go like I I'm getting into a collision. Yeah. You know, you're not surprised by what happens. Um, what's hard is, you know the dirty players who go after your knees, you know, the, I'm at the bottom of the pile and I couldn't control it. My, I had a face mask hit my shin sort of deal. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you. You know, as a young dad, you know, uh, coaching these girls and, you know, there's a time to sit on the sideline, but I'm kind of taking a page out of your book. I want them to have a great experience and I want them to, uh, to, to, to have some good coaching. You know what I mean? And yeah. for me, it's not about, you know, scholarships and, pro ball and all that just want them to have a good experience exposure. But isn't that the weight james as a dad for yeah. both of us like yeah. 
we want our kids to be encouraged, to be challenged in a healthy way, to develop well. We don't want them to be torn down. And so part of that finding healthy coaching is as a parent, like we, excuse me, we feel that weight, right? And so I love when I hear parents going, yeah, I actually sat down with the coach. I wanted to hear about their practice plan and I wanted to hear about it. And some coaches get super annoyed by that. It's like, well, I'm the coach. You should just, you know, mind your own business, be the parent in the sidelines. And it's like, well, I think parents that can advocate well for their kids is great. There is something about, you know, doing it all the time, but at the core of it, it's like, Hey, we want our kids to be around healthy adults that help them find a love and a passion and even tap into some of their, their abilities and strengths that we didn't even know they had. Good stuff. You know, I want to ask you a, a, a couple of things, you know, um, as we end the show, right. Um, I always give everybody an opportunity to leave the audience with uh, a nugget. I, I'm going to ask you for a couple of things. Um, your transition now, you just finished coaching. Your boys are to the next level. How is that coming for you? What could we look for as guys going through those type of transitions? No longer coaching, kids moving to the next level. Yeah, it's funny. My wife and I were just talking about this. Um, for me, I know I'm taking this next fall off. And part of that is like where our family's relocating or moving to a whole new area. Um, I don't really know what it is until next fall, right? Um, because I've been coaching since 2002 um, with maybe, a, I think it was a two or three year stint where I didn't, but I've been coaching every single fall. So it's like an, a rhythm, right? Um, and so for me, part of that is I want to use this season to, to like better myself as a coach. Yeah. So I've got a couple clinics I'm going to go to. I've got a couple things um, that I want to do just to grow in the game. Uh, but the other part is I've always wanted to coach at a collegiate level. You know, uh, you've had that experience. I haven't. And at, in for so, somewhere in the next 10 to 15 years for myself, like I want to get into the collegiate level and coach. Um, part of it is a personal drive. Part of it's a sense of accomplishment. And part of it is just the experience of that. Right. Yeah. Um, as a dad, my incur the thing I loved about being on the sidelines is before every game, I would hug both my boys and go, Hey, I love you. And I'm proud of you for who you are, not what you do. And I want that to stay, you know, I want to call my sons and go, Hey, just remember your dad's proud of you for who you are, not what you do. And I think sometimes as parents, we get into, we give our kids accolades for performance over character. And I'm such a believer and I've seen it as I've coached and mentored other parents is you need to encourage character over performance yeah. because you will fail in life. You will fail a test. You will fail at a job. You will fail at something. And if you're, if you're, if your worth is in performance, that's a hit. But if you know at the back of who you are, that your character, like who you are matters in your character more than how you perform. Like I, I want to still give my boys that message. Um, they're heading off to college. That's a whole different parenting dynamic that I'm in. So how do I keep doing that? So that's something I want to keep doing as a dad, right? Is being able to give that. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to end it on that. You gave me a couple things, encourage <laughs> character and not performance, right? Yeah. Um, that That's a golden nugget right there. I just put it in my pocket. You are a person that uh, is a leader. You are a leader, <laughs> a leader of men, women, children, um, give us a leadership tip and also please drop your information so we can follow you and gain some more, uh, tips on that leadership character. 
man, uh, I'll drop you what I actually wrote uh, this morning. So I try to write myself a daily leadership mantra, right? And I post on my social media. It's at Danny Bowers. That's Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Facebook is dbowers75. And then uh, TikTok, I think, is Danny, at Danny Bowers as well. Um, so I do. I host a, a podcast called Leadership Thoughts Podcast. It's actually been on a like eight-week hiatus with this move and relocation. But um, as I sit here in my hotel room, because I'm working remote, uh, I've been recording a couple episodes. Those start to get posted starting next week, but it's Leadership Thoughts Podcast. And here's, here's the leadership thought that I'm sitting in for the next couple of days, is as leaders, be careful what we say to ourselves and to others, but then also about ourselves and about others. I think the narratives we tell ourselves and the narratives we tell others are really critical in how our character is seen and how trust is built. But then also when we're privately sitting behind a desk or driving to an appointment or we're just got done with the sales conversation or we're sitting with a client that we're working with and something went off and we, we kind of, we're really good at negative Nancy on ourselves, right? We're really good at like telling ourselves the negative um, soundtrack. And that's just something I've been trying to be mindful of is, hey, be careful of what I say to myself and to others, but then also about myself and about others, right? Um, so quick example, I'm in a brand new career and a brand new profession. And there, I'm, it's like drinking through a firehouse. I'm trying to figure everything out. And I, I mentioned to my wife last week, I uh, got off the work. I was talking, I was like, ah, like, I just suck at doing this. And she said, oh, you do, do you? Like, that's what you want to tell yourself? You want to tell yourself that you suck? And the minute she said, I'm like, ah, oh, that's a good call out. Like, I, I, I don't suck. Okay. I'm being challenged to learn something new. Right, right. And some people look at that semantics and I go, no, 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 it's not semantics. Because when we say, hey, I'm being challenged to learn something new, what's my opportunity in this is very different than I suck and it's defeatist, right? And I think as parents, one of the things that we can never do is we can never let our kids give us our sense of worth. So be careful what we say to ourselves and be careful what we say to our kids. Be careful what we say about ourselves and we say about our kids. And what's interesting for me as a coach, especially when I was coaching middle schoolers, there'd be that dad or mom who would come up and want to joke about their son or even daughter, because we had a couple of girls play for us, poor performance. And they would want to turn it into like a, like a comedy central roast. And I'd be the coach going, whoa, whoa, time out. I actually don't think it's healthy, health, healthy for you to say that about your kid. Yep. And they would have the shock look like, oh, you didn't participate in this. I'm like, mm -hmm. I, why would I want to tear down a 10-year-old that doesn't even know who they are, right? right. So that, that's that's the what I'll leave you with, James. You asked a question, and <laughs> that's the leadership tip that I would leave people with. Uh, I'm leaving you with it because I'm trying to sit in it myself. Gotcha. Uh, that's kind of my thought for this week is, mm -hmm. hey, how do I be careful about what I say to others mm -hmm. and to myself and about others and about myself? Thank you. Uh, it's always a pleasure uh, having some conversations. I'm looking forward to the next time we can sit down and talk and have some coffee and just shoot the breeze and see how things are going. Uh, Danny Bowers, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, friend. Thank you for joining this episode of Fatherhood and Football, a Dad's Thing production, where finding and embracing our roles in fatherhood is a journey and one that we do not have to do alone. Please join us next Thursday for our next episode and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at A Dad's Thing for all your fatherhood-related content. You can also find our podcast on Anchor, 
Spotify, Breaker, and Radio Public. 